Playwright, a podcast about creating and sharing new ways to play. My name is Ryan Heyman, also known as H. And I'm Ryan Quintel, also known as Q. I was tempted going into that to do the uh, AKA H, but then I realized that, uh, you know, that that would all kind of flow together as being one big acronym. Yes. Like a CA and a CAC would be the, the two of us at that point. I think I would rather be a CA in that scenario. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I understand how that can be uh, mispronounced in ways that aren't advantageous to you. <laughs> Certainly. Before we get started today, we wanted to give a shout out to NinjaBear777, who gave us a really nice review on iTunes. You know, we're always looking out for any kind of fan feedback, be that positive or constructive. <laughs> and uh, yeah, NinjaBear mentioned that he was a, he, oh gosh, I shouldn't assume gender, <laughs> mm. any bear of any variety. Absolutely can be a ninja who are we to judge <laughs> exactly <laughs> uh but anyways yes mentioned that uh, that this particular <laughs> ninja bear was a listener to Kane and rinse and sound of play which i i also work with a couple of other podcasts that i'm a part of and uh, came on over to this new show at the recommendation of probably myself and some of the teammates on our other shows there and uh, has been enjoying the show so far. And um, yeah, it's a, it's a very nice post. We, we very much appreciate it and want to prompt anyone. We're still a very new podcast and we're still trying to form our audience and all of that. And these um, iTunes reviews really do help boost our um, visibility to people who aren't listening yet. So thank you very much. We appreciate that. Yeah, and the Ninja Bear review also reminded me that you know, I, I know we've created a podcast where we're pitching game ideas at each other and they seem more baked, so probably sometimes than they really are. But <laughs> uh, I think what Ninja Bear had said in the review is uh, that they did not have an idea for a game yet. And so maybe mm. you're in that phase, right? You're not ready to write into the show with an idea. In the meantime, how you can help is leave us one of those reviews on Apple Pod. Or alternatively, I was emailing with uh, Sam, who submitted our idea for security last week, that mm. the third game on last week's show. You know, he was saying that he uh, was going to uh, share the show with some of his friends, which is immensely helpful. And, you know, there are like selfish <laughs> motivations. Like we want to see the work that we put into this appreciated by more people, sure. But like also uh, sharing this with more people actually in a way that not a lot of other shows do like that makes this a actually better show because the more people that write in the more different perspectives and the more different life experiences, the community submitted ideas are going to draw from. And it's going to give us a much, much broader uh, canvas to paint on uh, more than, you know, the two of us could ever bring to the table. And so we, we really want to hear from, everybody from every walk of life. So uh, yeah, sharing with friends, sharing with people that you encounter online um, will make the show better for everyone. Ultimately, it's true. Enough of the self-promotional type of stuff. Uh, let's get to some game ideas. Uh, we're going to hop right into this. 
Uh, Q, what are you bringing us today? Well, I went for dark sci-fi weird last week, so I thought I would Mm -hmm. flip the script and tell you about this idea. So it's kind of Stardew Valley meets a drum machine. Imagine, Ryan, if you will, that the world one day wakes up and there is no music. There's nothing Mm, that plays music. There's no (laughs) musical instruments. And you're a small farmer that grew up on this farm with magic soil. And the magic soil (laughs) makes your fruits and vegetables sing. Mm. And essentially (laughs) what you have is... You plant uh, fruits and vegetables and all these mm-hmm. things that you can plant in these little gardens that are grids or these farm patches, if you will. And the grids act like a drum machine. So placing, for example, <laughs> to use a to use a vegetable beets, uh, you can plant a beet um, into small <laughs> a grid, if you will. So it, it's mm-hmm. kind of X by mm-hmm. Y. And you plant a beat into different slots and and you create patterns and those create music. And then you use your tape recorder or something Mm -hmm. to record the music and bring it to people in the village to kind of solve Hmm. quests and unlock new things to plant and be able to create ever increasingly complex and elaborate compositions on a bigger and bigger farm bed. All right. Interesting. Well, I'm... Very excited to talk about this one. (laughs) Let's go ahead and start the clock there and see what we come up with. The first thing I like to do whenever I hear a new idea is try to kind of like pull together all of my random thoughts and try to like find some sort of a grounding in games that already exist, not in a reductionistic way, like, oh, somebody's already done it and they've done it better, but like in a way to just give us at least some sort of like common ground (laughs) to speak with, you know, because in the abstract, it can be very abstract. Um, but I'm getting a, a bit of a sense of Ooblets, which Double Fine showed at this E3, which is kind of like a farming simulator slash Pokemon type game where you grow vegetables and fight them against each other. And then also a little bit of a sound shapes, that 2D platformer from years ago in which you platform around these levels to kind of assemble little bits and pieces of songs that end up kind of adding up to something greater in the end there. But I, I really like this idea it's it's interesting um and especially the visual interface is a really brilliant idea because you know these um like sequencers are all grid based you you send the sequencing line from left to right and they trigger the notes in each row and then of course farms plant their crops in rows as well so i can already like see in my mind how this works exactly and (laughs) i kind of love that (laughs) yeah that was the intent and um Mm. you know i had said to you before the show i thought you would like this idea i know that the the only better way is i could get some connect integration into this thing for you but (laughs) yeah that's right (laughs) i certainly love the idea of even being playful with some of the things, for example, if, you know, fruits kind of have a tropical soundscape to them or, mm-hmm. um, you know, trumpet mushrooms mm, are actual yeah. trumpets. Yeah. Kind of like being playful about it in the way that the like plants versus zombies devs are really playful about like adding like pun functionality yes. <laughs> into all their plants. <laughs> right. Because kind of something works like, you know, the analogy of it, because of course yeah, it does. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
so another another way I was thinking of because in sequencers you have sometimes you know a musical loop whether it's a piano riff or a guitar riff or something and mm-hmm. so just like you have the analogy with plants you certain plants you can't plant too close together to each other so you can mm. have plant types that oh, yeah, sort of yeah. take up you know a beat space before and mm-hmm. after them or multiple so you only kind of space out loops as appropriate and you can even think about a soil rotation is that what it's called uh, where like certain plants will kind of like use up the nutrients of a soil and so you have to kind of like leave it for yeah. multiple seasons and then come back to it later and so you could have some plants that are useful but they make the space that they're placed in kind of unusable for the next however many rounds that you're going i do also i'm i'm attracted to the concept of you having to maintain these things also just as plants because mm-hmm. like your song can then forget sort of sour or sick um, mm, yeah. in, in the way that like a good song can go out of key or something like that. I, I've not admittedly been exposing myself to a lot of the more advanced farming games, like, you know, farming simulator on one end and then a little bit more casually like harvest moon yeah. and a uh, story of seasons and, um, yeah, all, all these kind of like that, that popular genre of farming games. And so I don't really know the mechanics of how to make caring for plants interesting i've seen it done in the like plants versus zombies mini games where you just Mm. have to water a plant when it's thirsty and then um, just kind of leave it for a while but from my experience and from my understanding of plants it seems like a rather passive and slow activity so how do you make caring for plants interesting on like a (laughs) moment-to-moment basis yeah that's a good question i think uh the obvious the watering mechanic for sure. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's going to be more about, uh, I don't know if you've played Stardew Valley, but the game sort of starts with a fairly messy farmland filled with sort of rocks and debris, um, mm-hmm. almost a la a, a, a very extreme version of what you find kind of at the beginning of Viva Pinata even. Yeah, yeah. I was just thinking about that, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I think that there would be some aspect of... Uh, whether or not there's sort of time per day you're allowed to invest. So you're always kind of managing what, what to water, what to take care of versus what not to, or Mm -hmm. if you want to go less simulation, then you could do things like you're constantly getting better farming equipment. That's just kind of unlocking new land and, you know, more space to experiment Mm. because I think this game is not necessarily about like, you're completing the quests only to get the tools a la Mario Maker, right? It's about the yeah, music yeah. people are making and, and and hopefully some mechanism to share them with each other in the community. We could talk about the farming aspect all day, but one thing I'm really curious about is this kind of second aspect that you brought up um, about sharing this music with the people in town. And I'm I'm curious to hear like how how this would work, like whether there would be um, you know, like the, the farming games, the Stardew Valleys and the Harvest Moons are kind of famous for their village interactions as well. And almost having like relationship management and, you know, uh, meeting villagers and having village events and mm-hmm. getting married to villagers, like that type of like social interaction. How do you incorporate the music into into all of that. Um, or, or to your earlier point, the way to make mm-hmm. you have a bunch of fun because taking plant care of plants is boring. 
what I'd like to see in my mind, I, I imagine the town is sort of uh, a super abbreviated version of all different places on earth where like different music <laughs> styles come from uh-huh. and yeah maybe there's you know the villager who just he loves a good bossa nova beat and there's the jazz mm. villager and these are the people that you know you're you're producing something that has a beat pattern that maybe there are hints on how to achieve throughout mm. the town and you know throughout signage or whatever throughout what they say i'm looking for a ba da ba ba da or something mm-hmm. but to kind of introduce those different sort of beat styles of course this is going to be great when i get to the hip hop villager and things like that this idea of of music being uh, like removed from this world is so interesting and i'm curious you know it could kind of go in two directions one could be like the music has like magically disappeared from the world and you know some sort of like supernatural force has just removed all music and all memory of music from the world Mm. and these people are just like kind of hollow because they they know that they're missing something something to enrich the soul but they're unable to fathom what that could be and so they have to kind of like reconnect with the natural world to rediscover that music or alternatively it's the footloose or 2112 approach where, <laughs> where they're not, music they're not is being like censored yeah, yeah. <laughs> by the powers that be because, you know, the frivolity is keeping the people from working hard and from, and so, you know, in that way, like that, that would be because you are going back to the natural world to kind of reclaim music. That would be like a nice subversion of the uh, like big kind of, government trying to keep you down yeah. <laughs> type of motif. Yeah, I think I skew when in my head I it skews more towards kind of half and half where music is gone, mm. but these villagers all remember it but only you are capable of producing it, right? So mm. bringing them back the sort of music that they love and and maybe you could go really specific like I need music for my you know, shop or I, we need music for the hotel elevator. Like everybody knows what elevator music <laughs> sounds like in their head hmm. and uh, being able to do stuff like that. You know, if we got more time with it and I know we're coming up against it, I'd really love to think about how like the computer can kind of check slash accept um, the, hmm. your submission of music as being valid. Well, or actually, not. yeah, let's, uh, let's think about that because I think that anybody who studies music theory has like a basic understanding of, uh, you know, each genre does have different note structures and, you know, keys that the songs are composed in and, you know, whether the rhythm is syncopated or on the beat and all these things. And so, you know, maybe, uh, you know, that might be a little bit too much to ask from every player to compose like an actual jazz song to meet the jazz criteria. But if there were like different beans and vegetables and fruits that you can plant that could like lend you a syncopated sound or a plucked, uh, plucked bass, plucked upright bass sure. for, or different you know, parts certain... of your farm that kind of produce, like make yeah, the yeah. same vegetables produce <laughs> different sounds. I'm really interested to explore this one more, but like you mentioned, we, we are coming up against that time limit. So let's, them are the rules. So let's close the book on that one for now. This is one that I am actually like really excited about. And so I kind of want to hear if our community has any suggestions as to where to take this or any thoughts as to what this would look like or sound like or play like. 
Like this is something that I want to hear from everybody. So uh, yeah, please do get in touch with us on Twitter at PlaywrightCast or, you know, give us an email, PlaywrightCast at gmail.com and uh, give us some of your thoughts. And we'd love to continue this conversation. But as of right now, this one needs a name. What are you going to call this? Oh, I couldn't resist. Beat Farm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that seems about right. (laughs) Next comes my idea here. And uh, this is one that, you know, so far, other than last week, that one was just one that I kind of came up with off the top of my head one day, and I thought it'd be fun to share. But so far, I've been kind of sharing ideas that I've been uh, stockpiling for a while now, things that have, you know, come to me over time, and I just couldn't rattle them from my brain. They've always been kind of playing around back there. Uh, But today's kind of like the big one. Today's the one that I've been really excited about ever since the uh, beginning of the podcast to, to share this one. I would like to preface up front that I am aware of the uh, Gex games and <laughs> that this does ride a little close to that line. Oh, I've just but... become extremely excited. <laughs> but I hope you'll forgive that because I think you'll find that the similarities to Gex are um, necessary. <laughs> Let me introduce this world where you play as a chameleon who lives in like a steamboat willy type of world, a kind of old timey cartoon. And, you know, you're just whistling along, having your your good day working at the factory or wherever it is that this chameleon works. And uh, all of a sudden, one day you wake up and find that the world around you is disappearing You know, it's being overcome with this dark void that just kind of like eats away at the space around you that is in this case called obscurity. This chameleon who this is the only life that he's ever known must venture out past his own backyard really into the broader world of inside of the television essentially. Again, I'm aware of Gex. (laughs) But what I want to pitch right now is a 3D platformer that all takes place on just one big open world, not broken up different little levels like Banjo-Kazooie or Mario 64, but one big open world with all sorts of platforming challenges scattered all throughout. But the interesting thing about it, the thing that the, the hook of this particular game is that instead of changing levels, going into different levels to explore different things, you are given the ability to collect different channels that you can change your world to and that affects all of the world all at once in place of a level you would get a new channel at one point and these can be you know everything from like the horror channel to the anime channel to the you know ren and stimpy type channel the all these different tv channels these these filters that can be applied to the world and basically the world operates in the logic of the genre that's being applied to it you know whether it's like hospital soap operas or Mm. Baywatch type shows or you know 80s crime dramas or whatever like all of these different genres the NPCs would all act like they were characters in these types of shows and even the the platforming challenges would be solved by uh, basically applying these different filters these different channel filters to these kind of set pieces where if you want to get to a higher platform then you know maybe the branch that you're standing on would be bouncy in the cartoon channel and so you can change it to the cartoon channel Ah. and bounce up high and then change it to the anime channel and get 
rocket boots or something. And, and so basically you're just kind of, you're changing the world more than you're changing your own character in a way. And I want to make him a chameleon because I kind of took that inspiration from a Woody Allen film called Zelig, where he plays this, um, this person who is, has this like mental condition where he just kind of takes on the characteristics of whatever is going on around him huh. and comes to find that he doesn't really have that strong of a, well, he doesn't know who he is outside of being able to like define himself by what's happening around him. And so it's kind of hoping to like explore that same, uh, you know, all of these video games and all of like fiction in general is all about finding out like who our character is when pushed to extremes. And what if the answer was like, maybe the character isn't anything. Maybe the character is just a reflection of the world around him. Like, what would that mean for a story? But the most interesting thing that I hope we'll spend most of the time talking about is the uh, kind of mechanical aspect of this game. So I want to hear your thoughts on this. Let's go ahead and start the clock on that one. All right. Wow. There's a lot to unpack here. I don't know if it was knowingly or not, but... This reminds me a lot of a movie I loved when I was a little kid hmm. called Stay Tuned. Do you know this movie? I, I haven't seen that one, no. Okay, so it's a John Ritter, like, dad saves the kids movie. <laughs> but um, it is in the style of these kids get a giant TV delivered to their house, uh, and hmm. then they're sort of all sucked into it, and channels are changing, and thus is their reality. Um, oh, cool. From place to place. And... The mechanics, let's, uh, yeah, I'm on the mechanics side, you're, you're kind of talking about a reverse Mega Man X, right? Where like he yeah, is changing exactly. into very distinct states versus the world mm. is changing. So I think that use like in my mind, that's almost what I see. I guess it's more Mega Man Legends or something because it's in a 3D space. But mm -hmm. the way, you know, you, there'll be sort of shields with one particular ability or the ability to sort of phase through things um, in another Mega Man ability. I could imagine your own character. Yeah, it's it's almost like I'd love to be able to mix and match. Can I be like anime guy in hospital world, if that makes any sense? The arc of his character is that he's just kind of reacting to what's happening around him. So I was thinking more kind of like... Uh. You know, in Conker's Bad Fur Day, he goes to the horror world and becomes Van Helsing. And I feel like he'd have to be reacting to what's happening instead of taking his own volition. I wonder how we create a system, because it would strike me that we're going to hit parts of the game where I'm trying to reach like a new place. Mm -hmm. And I either have to cycle between realities until I just find the right one. Um, versus like, right. Maybe yeah. there's, you know, certain characters from some realities kind of always exist in a certain situation to show you that, Hey, this might be a good time to switch over to the, you know, the horror movie, uh, because you can have bat wings and fly up or something. That's kind of the difficult thing about this. And what I kind of want help with this on is that in the legend of Zelda, for example, you have all these different um, tools and items that you can use to progress in these dungeons. And they're all telegraphed. Like the item has one or two distinct uses. And you can always tell, you know, when you're, when you want to use Twilight Princess's spinner, there has to be a spinner track in the wall. Mm. And every time you see a spinner track on the wall, that communicates <laughs> that you need to use the spinner. Right. And, um, and, but all of these things are kind of like tools that Link is using and 
I, I want some level of like the world necessitates change and our character is the one who isn't changing, but, or is, you know, to a lesser extent. Sure. Changing. They're not like, necessarily these, empowered by the change. Yeah. But I, I also don't want just to randomly channel surf to, to put it one way sure. um, until we find the appropriate solution to every puzzle. Cause that would be really uh, unfortunate. Uh, like that would just be really kind of, it would really slow everything down. There has to be some sort of predictability of cause and effect when you change to a different channel that you can count on something happening. But I also don't want it to be the same all throughout this giant open world because at that point, like, what's the point? Yeah. You know, so somewhere in between Zelda and the secret of Monkey Island is where I would well, find I, this one. I think one of the brilliant things about the new Zelda and maybe we can borrow from it mm-hmm. is they're kind of the the chemistry system of people kind of understand mm. eh, metal is kind of magnetized like water can mm. freeze and and that sort of stuff if it's better to as opposed to have a very exotic number of channels because which, which is probably hard to build anyway mm. um have sort of you know your four elemental not necessarily elemental but archetypical channels that someone can predict like oh this is really you know there's the one where all the walls are kind of sticky and i can or Mm. there's a space one where i know i can float or move upside down yeah i guess you could count on like the sci-fi channel like things that would typically be organic matter would be made out of metal and so you can have some sort of a magnetized property there or the like weather disaster movie channel would have (laughs) floods and tornadoes and things that you could use to in certain ways and sort of like physics puzzles like zelda yeah breath of the wild specifically (laughs) it's a matter of like what the scope is because it's going to Mm. be key that i have the instinct to activate the channel right rather than the kind of old-fashioned way like zelda would like literally put up a sign essentially saying now's the time Mm -hmm. to pull this thing out yeah yeah and so i guess just having like a a set number of elements in the world that you kind of have like a good idea of how they react and so maybe maybe that is the thing is like it's keeping the number of elements in the world to a manageable amount and so you know you know how bats will react to changing the channel to these certain different channels. And so you can always count on when you see a bat, then you have to assess, okay, I've got these three choices. Which one is going to help me right now? Right. And then once you get a fourth choice, once you get another channel unlock, then you can think like, okay, I've seen bats, I've seen trees, and I've seen you know mushrooms or whatever. Like, what will this new channel do to all of those? And kind of have that like uh, curiosity awaken in your mind i also like the idea of maybe decoupling the chameleon power from the channel Mm -hmm. change because like a chameleon Mm, doesn't necessarily they can kind of cause themselves to change yes Mm. so Mm, i don't know if there's like this is the time where i need to be the weather disaster chameleon in the sci-fi world and vice versa and be able to Mm. say it's really this set of capabilities that I can kind of transform into. That could be like a good end game unlock really to kind of like push you one step further because, you know, if the entire game is about trying to find your own identity and push yourself out of, you know, what is being fed to you, then 
the ultimate expression of that would be to just, you know, be whatever you want to be at any given point, no matter what's happening. I could also see that as a very sort of satisfying ending sequence, too, as you're approaching some of the latest challenges of like, he's realized he can transform into any of these things at any time because he is the chameleon. (laughs) It's kind of like mechanical metaphors like you see at the end of uh, Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons. Yes, absolutely. One of the things that I thought about in here is the introduction of like NPCs, people that you would talk to. Um, I was kind of inspired by Deadly Premonition and specifically all of like Swery 65's works in the past because he tends to introduce what he calls digital actors, kind of casting similar characters with the same names in all mm. of his games, starting huh. from probably spy fiction on the PS2. Uh, so there will be like a Forrest Kaysen in all of them, who's like a more heavy set white guy with a, a similar voice actor or whatever. And so I wanted to, you know, since this is kind of a persistent world, I think it makes sense if the characters were also persistent, but they would behave differently and they would have different objectives and different motives in these different environments. And you can kind of like use these different channels to like move them to certain places or to uh, to solve puzzles that way or to get them to give you a piece of information they wouldn't on another channel. That's really interesting because now that kind of makes itself the story and quest structure, right? Which is mm-hmm. advancing all of these actors, potential actors' storylines to the yeah, yeah. to the end of maybe one or all of their respective channels. Trying to balance the needs of the same person in different realities, essentially. <laughs> and then and then <laughs> using maybe their temperament from one reality to kind of get them to do yeah. something for you. Um, yeah. But you know what? That's great because I feel like that compounds and feeds into the theme of you are a kind of an extra in your life and mm. how you think of yourself, right? You're, you're mm-hmm. just kind of going along with whatever's happening and for the game to be about like helping these other people to maybe they need to help you uh, in the end, like accomplish something is, is all part of that great sort of transformation of the character. <laughs> a lot of the stories I write are about what if we aren't the one who's making decisions on our own stories? And, you know, what if we're pawns being played by some grand chess master somewhere? So yeah, uh, I, think I that am going to take some Advil and lay in. down. <laughs> <laughs> Let's stop the clock on that one. You know, I don't have a great title for this one yet. I, I've forgotten to come up with something really amazing i wonder if there's something to colorless and black and white colorless chameleon yeah that's not a bad name i mean it's not great but it's not bad colorless chameleon yeah you know what let's go with that for now i'm not a hundred percent sold on this title yet and so i'm hoping that somebody in our community will be cleverer than i am yes help us help us (laughs) but uh let's go with uh colorless the chameleon title pending Much better than Prozac, the chameleon. (laughs) Yeah, that one just uh, narrowly won out. So (laughs) we have one last submission today. This one is a community submission from uh, one of my buddies in real life. This is from Neil Piper, who writes in, Everyone likes Rocket League. Everyone likes Medieval Knight games. How about Rocket League meets Dynasty Warriors for Honor? That that is Dynasty Warriors slash for Honor. Two different games there. Each team gets a castle, which is also their goal. You're trying to knock the giant ball into the opponent's goal slash gate using swords, arrows, and maybe magic. 
The castles are destructible, so it gets easier to score as the battle wages. Each castle has cannons or catapults, so you can launch a critical hit on your opponent's fortification. However, it would be easy to score an own goal trying to get the ball into the launcher, so there's some risk-reward there. Each team gets an army of AI bots to fill out the battlefield as well. Maybe you can get points per kill and lots of points per goal. Q. I have a feeling that you are thinking of the same game that I am thinking of after reading that idea right now. Ooh, tell me which game you're thinking of, because <laughs> I've, in my head, this is so weird, I, I played it only just recently, I'm actually thinking about kind of Overwatch. Oh, okay, that was not what I was expecting. <laughs> okay, <laughs> what, what, what do you have in your head? Oh, what I what I thought we were both going to immediately jump on was Odama for the GameCube, uh, which is a pinball game that is set on like a Japanese samurai warfare field. Um, it includes the GameCube microphone that you would use to kind of like shout orders to your troops to advance to different places in this like pinball table and try to kind of wage these battles and use your pinball skills to help your army progress forward. Oh, I am seeing gameplay right now and the uh -huh. podcast is <laughs> over. I need to go play that game instead. <laughs> no, this is the, uh, in, the reason why Overwatch sprang to my mind is because hmm. they did um, last summer, and I think they're, they might be doing it again, Lucio Ball. Yeah, uh, yeah, which kind of takes these first person shooter characters and forces them to uh, really compete by scoring Rocket League like goals on each other. Mm -hmm. But I, I actually think Lucio is the missed opportunity here. If really wants to be in a fantasy setting, I would love to be a mage and be able to like freeze the ball or set it on mm, fire yeah, yeah. to like stop someone else from touching it. Every time I hear people talk about like soccer positions, like someone is a striker mm -hmm. or something, I always think that sounds very cool. <laughs> and there should be a literal striker, right? Uh, <laughs> Um, a kind of big burly guy who can really hit the ball very fast and offensive and defensive, like a hero class game. The pitch that was given to us by Neil is it, it feels kind of like a uh, like an RTS meets Rocket League, something where you're managing armies, where you're managing kind of the flow of army. He brings up uh, yes. Dynasty Warriors in there, which is a, a really good shout uh, because that one is like you are playing essentially a character action game, but you're also trying to keep in mind the general flow of the battle across the entire battlefield. And so you're kind of playing a management, a, you know, a simulation, war simulation game all at the same time, kind of juggling the two very different objectives. And also it, it kind of also makes me think of, what is it called? Steven Spielberg's for the Wii Boom Blocks. That was it, which is a game all about kind of like Jenga bricks that are stacked in various ways and a lot of mini games that you play by throwing balls from the Wiimotes or trying to pull the pieces out or all these different mini games and objectives. And a lot of them had to do with like knocking over the opponent structures using yeah, these kind of like of physics, physics simulation yeah. blocks. Yeah. Yeah. What I'm curious about the most, what is the character in this game? I like the idea of this medieval battle going on all around you, but we need to find something that, you know, makes sense in this world to have this giant, you know, flaming ball rolling down the battlefield <laughs> right. and something controlling it as well. 
Sure. Well, I mean, in the case of Odama, it, it almost looks like as though it would have been like a catapult ball mm-hmm. or, or something of that uh, of that ilk. What if you are playing essentially like a soccer game on a scale where everything else happening around you is much smaller? Like what if this is like like black and white, the old games that Lionhead yeah. used to put out where you play as like a giant god who is representing, you know, a a civilization of people and and it's you and this other god facing off against each other in essentially a giant game of soccer or football and then all of your armies are kind of like waging war around your feet trying to set up traps for the opposing god or trying to you know try to take you down by throwing spears at you and you can use (laughs) voice commands to send your armies in one direction or the other or you could use button commands to issue orders on the fly but your main intention is to play you know soccer football and and try to knock over the enemy's castle using those mechanics while something else is happening around you yeah i i wonder now that you've kind of set down that black and white bandwagon which i really love is if there's kind of a the soccer matches themselves and a la uh, a FIFA or, or if you, you know, any sort of modern sports games, when you're not actually in a match, you're able to build your town or train your citizens or kind of design mm-hmm. your field. Um, and then of course you're kind of like, once the battle has begun, it's almost like the gods decide the fate of the battle. Right. So now you can have mm-hmm. a true sort of one-on-one competition, while still keeping that sort of fantasy theme and and feeling like you're doing a lot of on the ground stuff, uh, you know, in between. <laughs> this is fantasy football in its truest form. <laughs> That's right. Oh man, we may have just named it as well. <laughs> yeah, let's think about what is the idea of um, what does scoring look like in this case? Because you know, this is also something we had to think about on our very first episode with that kind of pong like idea. Is that you know, we have this idea of, um, you know, Pong, you're supposed to get the ball behind the person's paddle. But mm-hmm. if that's not the main objective, if the main objective is just to spread paint, like in that episode or in this episode, um, to knock over enemy reinforcements and decimate their their battle readiness, then what does scoring get us? How? Why is that a desirable outcome? Yeah, I think this goes back to the sort of two fold based gameplay that I was talking about where during off, you know, off match times I'm building and managing the army or the castle and its defensive capabilities on its own. Mm -hmm. And then it's just, you know, almost like the gods lift up the land that the castles are on themselves and put them into the sky. (laughs) And then it's, you know, two gods duking it out castle on castle and the first you know destroyed castle uh, Mm -hmm. or badly enough damage right because you have to live to fight another day is the sort of loser i suppose i think the most fun thing about this is that you know battlefields aren't these large flat rectangular you know football pitches like we would have come to expect from uh, this type of game but i i really i kind of like actually really want to play now a football soccer type of game that is set on a really diverse field with hills and 
you know, could even be like three or four different goals that represent different armies and, uh, you know, trees and pits and rivers and all these things that can get in the way of this game of, you know, of otherwise normal soccer. <laughs> yeah, heck yeah. And I, I I mean, he brought in for honor kind of at the beginning of this. And it, mm-hmm. it made me think it's really fun to the way in for honor you can align yourself with an ancient warrior civilization yeah and have um you know the clashes of these different it kind of like you would see in age of empires or yeah for honor like you mentioned or the total war games where you can just kind of like pit yeah. these armies up against each other it is it's kind of total war soccer we're talking yeah. about isn't it <laughs> oh I, that is also, <laughs> oh, that is, this is turning out to be one of my favorite pitches. I really like this one. Yeah, this is a great one. Now I want to play this game. Let's think about just for fun. What would be an end game, really challenging course? Like what if the battlefield is like on, uh, or each castle is on uh, one side of like giant crevasses that you would have to kick the ball over and you'd have to really aim it while, you know, other gods are trying to steal the ball from you or something. Yeah. And I think maybe even let's say, okay, if I, if I run with that idea of the, the land and the castle actually being lifted up into the sky, Mm -hmm. if you have the ability to defend your castle with traps and moats and that Mm -hmm. sort of stuff, um, making it that much harder to actually, you know, get, get a, a hit in, um, you know, kind of designing your own defense space around your thing so you have the landscape and whatever sort of traps and concoctions you've come up with cool well let's uh let's call this one neil originally pitched the name swords and scorcery which is pretty funny <laughs> pretty i good. appreciate that one it sits pretty close to uh um the super brothers game <laughs> sword and sorcery ep but uh that is a that's a clever name i do like that I also like fantasy football, <laughs> fantasy which we were tossing around before because it's kind of, you know, different directions it went in in the creation process. But uh, I think both are excellent names. Thank you very much, Neil, for submitting that. And if any of you, the listeners, we would love to hear from each and every one of you, uh, your own ideas. They don't have to be as elaborate as Neil's was. If you just have, you know, something as simple as like, a shirt ironing simulator, you know, <laughs> then like, we'll take that. Oh places. yes. And we'll absolutely. see where we can go with that. We'll see, you know, we'll find ways to gamify it and to codify the score system or whatever, you know, just be, feel free to, to give us something that is as elaborate or as simple as you want. And you can send each of those to playwrightcast at gmail.com, or you can send it to our website that is www.playwrightcast.com slash pitch. And that is, of course, spelled P-L-A-Y-W-R-I-T-E-C-A-S-T. <laughs> it's or true. Or you can get in touch with us on Twitter at PlaywrightCast. And a special thank you to Protodome, whose our theme song, Hello World, is off his album, Blue Noise. Go check that out on Bandcamp. Some excellent chiptune work there and uh, definitely worth a check out. Some of his music is free as well, so can't object to that. Thank you very much for listening. We will see you next week. 